Yes, life is filled with stressful situations, isn't it? I knew the moment I talked on this, all stress would break loose. It doesn't seem to fail wherever we go. We can be on the freeway and we're stressed. As Charlie was sharing, I thought it was so apropos. In this city, you take your life into your hands to get on the freeway. You either attack or be attacked. And so I have learned that the safest way to drive is the most careless. Attack. Wow. You know, I love that new commercial, the Toyota commercial. Punch it, Margaret. Wow. I just love that commercial, you know. Except my car won't do that. Next time, next time, I'll tell you, my new uh, BMW 35i will. I tell you, you know, you know that's why Porsches and Acura sell so much up here. It's not because there's so much money, it's because they're safer, they go faster. You, you get out of trouble sooner. Boom! You know, you just take off. So that's one way to deal with highway stress. Someday, you know, they'll have cars that just elevate over. You just kind of remember the night Rider? You punch the buttons and boom, over the trouble you go and you just kind of float. I'm waiting for the kind that you just punch where you want to go and fall asleep. You know, it kind of navigates itself. Brent and I were talking about that the other day. We tried it with the Taurus, but we almost went in a ditch. <laughs> I don't think they, this one came equipped with that yet. Or there's stress at work. You go to work and there's pressures, there's competition, there's peer pressures, there's people talking about you behind your back and you know it. And you feel the heat of pressure. You feel the stress it creates. You feel that there's unfair demands placed on your life. And so we have stress. And then, of course, you top the day off by trying to go into the 94 tunnel. And you're sitting there all stressed out for one hour and 30 minutes, going three miles an hour on a highway that was created to go 60 or 70. That's frustrating. And, of course, to top it all off, you head home to a home that's full of stress. There's stress in the family. There's stress being a parent. You wonder today, what kind of world is our kids going to grow up? I wonder if my kids are going to get into drugs. I wonder if my kids are going to get pregnant. You know, I wonder what in the world is going to happen tomorrow. I wonder what's happening to the world. What's happening in the relationship with my mate? And there's stresses that come to bear in our life that are very, very, very difficult. And here's this person that we love and, and well, we don't seem to love him anymore. We don't seem to talk like we used to talk. And we've got more stress. And then, of course, there's financial stress. Just never seem to have enough money. I wish they'd pay me more. And the more I get paid, the more I spend. And the car payment comes due, the insurance payment comes due, the utilities come due, the rent comes due, you've got to buy the food, and it seems like things go up and up and up and up all the time. And it seems like your piece of the pie gets smaller and smaller, and the taxes take more, and your spending habits change, and we just never seem to be able to get ahead. And we're striving to try to make ends meet, and there's tremendous pressure. Tremendous pressure in the society that we live in today. We feel alone. We feel like we're friendless. We feel like we're all by ourselves. And everywhere we turn today, there's stress. I read an article yesterday of an 18-year-old high school senior who died of a heart attack. The autopsy revealed the only cause of death was stress. There was stress going on in his parents' marriage. There was stress going on at school to achieve. Those of you in school know what it's like. The pressure to achieve. The pressure to absorb so much information that is given you just to pass your exam. 
Much of it we don't understand. We just take it in and try to remember it so that we can get a decent grade on the exam and then it's forgotten. It's never oftentimes really learned. And there's so much stress. I was talking to a gentleman the other day. His company is working on a huge project and every day that they're over the deadline it's cost them $10,000 a day in that department. The young man who's been heading up this particular project had to be rushed to the hospital today with tremendous chest pains. It was revealed later he had a mild stroke. Just because of the pressure that he feels at work. The pressure that comes to bear. And we find that all throughout our society. Interestingly enough, there are more books written about stress than any other time. You can go to the library, you can go to the bookstore, and stress here, stress management, and dealing with stress, and escaping stress, and making stress your friend. You know? Channeling positive stress waves. You know? There's all kinds of things people are coming up with. I'll probably talk about a few of the ways that I see people try to deal with stress. Alcohol. You know, it's easy to blame commercials for alcohol use or abuse. But I want to be honest with you. I think one of the biggest reasons for the use of alcohol is that it deadens the senses. You know it and I know it. It dulls the senses to life. Life can be very painful. It can be very stressful. And for many people, the only escape they have is alcohol, but for many it gets out of hand. But you know, there's many people in America who are not alcoholics, but they drink, not just because they like the taste of Bud Light and it's less filling, but because it's a stress relief. Face it. It relieves stress only for a moment. I want to talk about drug abuse this morning. We see a rise in cocaine and crack unlike any other time in our society. And it's blamed on all kinds of things. But you know one of the main reasons for it? Is people are unable to cope with life today. I was watching an interview on television last night with a young man who had used cocaine for years and then went to crack. And he said, basically said, hey, it made me feel good. It made me feel better about me. And it made me forget my problems. You know, that's one of the number one reasons why people use it. We, we always want to blame peer pressure, and peer pressure has something to do with it. But the reason people get hooked and they continue to use it is because it gives them a temporary relief from the stresses and the pressures of life. The problem is, pretty soon it becomes a major financial burden and it destroys your life because it takes more and more and more and more. Or cigarettes. I've been around friends who smoke. And they get under stress and they go through two or three packs. It relaxes them. It's the only way they can cope. It's the only way we can cope. Exercise. I talk to people running, biking, weightlifting, aerobics. And you know one of the reasons it's such a popular thing today is not just because you, you, you feel better, you get physically fit, your heart pumps better, but because for many people it's an adrenaline, it releases stress. I live with a runner. And then I lived at the room before I got married. My wife used to run cross-country. I used to live with a guy who was a cross-country champion at Iowa State. This guy had someone run him down at Iowa State University in a car and broke his leg in two places. He would get up at 6 in the morning on crutches and run with crutches. He was addicted. You don't think you can get addicted to running? You're wrong. You don't think you can get addicted to exercise? You're wrong. It releases drug inside the body and you become addicted. And I know people, their legs, if they don't move, they feel like they're cramping up. And you get stressed because you're not exercising. 
And then, and then you exercise and so you, you release stress. And it becomes a cycle. It's certainly a more positive way than alcohol and drug abuse. And then there's people who spend money. To really, they, they get all pressure. So the thing to do is go shop. Go spend money. Go binge. Go eat. Go spend as much... I, and, and I've been there. You know, you're under financial stress. So you know what you do? Who cares about the budget? Let's go spend a hundred bucks. And without any thought, you know, you just blank your mind out and you go drop a hundred dollars. You go to eat, you go buy this, you go buy that, you don't think about it, who cares, I'll deal with it when the credit card comes next month. And so the credit card has become a great way for people to deal with stress. Or then there's the individual who the best way is just to do nothing. Sit back, relax, and do nothing. Well, all of these ways, some of them are definitely better than others. Some of them are negative, some of them are positive. The point is, none of them are permanent. The point is, none of them really, really work because I've watched people that have been the most athletic people in the world die of a heart attack. I've watched people that have been the most athletic people in the world die of an overdose of drugs. And I've watched people that have been together have their life ruined with alcohol. Stress can affect us no matter what, where we're at in life. I want to share with you this morning the secret, an absolute tried, tested, proven way to deal with stress effectively in your life. I guarantee you, with regular use, you'll be able to deal effectively with stress. If you do what I tell you this morning. And I just want you to remember you heard it first here. Okay? I just want you to remember where you heard it. I was in court yesterday with a friend in Hastings. And I sat on the bench watching one person after another coming in, little children talking to their lawyer, little four and five-year-olds. Broke my heart. Had to go privately and talk with their lawyer before they went into court. And I sat there and I was interacting with a friend and, or, or the person next to me and we were talking about what kind of things, answers people are getting for life. And this person proceeded to tell me about one of their relatives who's going to see a psychiatrist. And the answer the psychiatrist gave them and told them to do, and they were paying them to tell them this, to deal with stress. So go in your basement and break glass jars. Now I'm not kidding you. That's about the most asinine thing I've ever heard of, but you have to admit if the only other options are alcohol, abuse, and drugs... Well, somebody's going to come up with something like that. You know, buy a heavy bag. You know, become a boxer. Hit the bag. I mean, you know, it's amazing what people are told today. And so this woman regularly goes down to her basement, buys mason jars, saves the jars, and breaks them. And you want to know something? Probably does. Momentarily release that stress. Problem is it doesn't solve the problem. It never really helps. And it's expensive to keep buying mason jars. You know, better things to do with them. So I want you to perk up your ears, put up your antennas, because I'm going to share with you today one that without question has worked in some of the most difficult situations in life. Some of the most famous men and women that you know have used it. The Bible calls it prayer. It costs you nothing but time. It can be done anywhere and at any time. And it's always available to you. I want to read to you a story about a man named George Washington. Some of you, I was, I'll tell you a conversation I had with someone the other day. I was talking to them about this. 
We were interacting, counseling session on stress. And he said to me, George Washington is really taking a bad rap. I want you to know. You want to know what this person was told in their school, in their history class? They were told that George Washington regularly raped his slaves. Can you believe that? You would not believe the kind of muck that is talked about in relationship to the Founding Fathers all because no one wants to come to grips with the fact that they were some of the most God-honoring, God-fearing men that ever lived. George Washington was an amazing man of moral and spiritual integrity. You want to talk about pressure. Do you know what it would be like to lead this country into a war for freedom against an army that is ten times larger against people that have never been trained, or our people have never been trained in warfare. Britain had professional soldiers. They had the largest naval fleet in the world. We had no provisions. And before you know it, George Washington is stuck in the dead of winter at Valley Forge. Now you all know what winter's like up here. We know what winter's like. Can you imagine on a day when the wind chills 40 below to walk outside with no gloves and with newspapers around your feet and to stay there all day? You have no idea the kind of stress and strain and pressure that this man was under leading this little tiny nation to battle. And it all was on his shoulders. His men had no food. They lived in scanty shacks with cracks in all the walls, no windows, and the wind just whipped through. Many of his men had no blankets. They would huddle together day after day after day waiting for winter to end. And he watched his men, he watched their feet fall off, their fingers fall off. Now I want to read you an account of George Washington. The U.S. Capitol has a private chapel for congressmen, one feature of which is a stained glass window called Washington's Gethsemane. The window depicts the kneeling figure of George Washington at Valley Forge praying to God for his soldiers and his country. The Reverend Mason Locke Weems, in his famous biography, The Life of George Washington, first published in 1800, gives an account of what happened at Valley Forge. In the winter of 77, while Washington with the American armies lay encamped at Valley Forge, a certain good old friend of the respectable family and name of Potts had occasion to pass through the woods near headquarters. Treading his way along the venerable grove, suddenly he heard the sound of a human voice which as he advanced increased on his ear and at length became like a voice of one speaking much in fervency and earnest. As he approached the spot with a cautious step, whom should he behold in a dark natural bower of ancient oaks but the commander-in-chief of the American armies on his knees at prayer? Motionless, and with surprise, friend Potts continued on the place till the general, having ended his devotions, arose and with a countenance of angel serenity retired to headquarters. Friend Potts then went home and on entering his parlor called out to his wife, Sarah, Sarah, all's well, all's well. George Washington will yet prevail. What's the matter, Isaac? replied she. Thee seems moved. Well, if I see moved, tis no more than what I am. I have this day seen what I never expected. Thee knows that I always thought the sword and the gospel utterly inconsistent and that no man could be a soldier and a Christian at the same time. But George Washington has this day convinced me of my mistake. 
He then related what he had seen and concluded with this prophetical remark, If George Washington be not a man of God, I am greatly deceived, and still more shall I be deceived if God do not, through him, work out a great salvation for America. And that is precisely what happened. There are numerous other accounts of George Washington at prayer at Valley Forge. In 1832, 80-year-old DeVault Beaver claimed to have received the account directly from Isaac Potts. Another account came from Dr. James Ross Snowden, whose father knew Potts, and yet another from Benson J. Lissing. General Knox, Washington's cult associate at Valley Forge, was recorded as saying that Washington frequently used the grove for prayer. And this book continues on in the accounts of George Washington in prayer. Tell you a little secret about good old George. It wasn't George's tennis game that helped him cope with life. It wasn't George's use of alcohol that helped him cope with life. It was his prayer life. He knew that God was available to help, and he went and let it all out to God. And I'll tell you, it's not very comfortable praying in the snow. But he did it. It was the only place he could get alone. We see the same with Jesus Christ. You think you're under pressure? What do you think it would have been like to be God in the flesh on this planet and have everyone hate you and everyone reject you and everyone speaking evil against you and knowing that you're going to die for people who could care less about you and having everybody want something from you but no one wants to give anything. Constantly be at the beck and call of people day and night and we read about our Lord and He regularly departed to a lonely place to pray. It says in Hebrews that during his time on earth, Jesus spent his time in prayer, in loud cries and groanings to him who could save him. See, Jesus, that's why Jesus could deal so graciously with people. You cannot deal graciously with people when you're filled with turmoil and stress. I had an experience happening about six years ago that changed my life forever. I had read a verse in Psalm 62 verse 8, earlier this particular day. And it said, Trust in the Lord, pour out your heart to Him at all times, for God is a refuge to us. And I put my Bible down and thought about the verse and went on about my day and we were living in a trailer park in a, in a wooded area at this particular time. And my wife and I, as the day went wore on, got into a discussion that was getting very heated and I knew that if I stayed and if I continued on, I was really going to say and do some things that I regretted. So I, I didn't really know what to do. I just knew it would be better if I get on my boots, get on my coat, and leave for a little while. So I got on my boots, I got on my coat, put on my mittens, stuck on my hat and said, I'm out of here. I'll be back later. So I went down into the woods. A little bit intimidated and I'll explain why because I, I knew that I'd been angry and I'd been upset and I didn't really feel like I could go pray you know and, you know, if you're going to go pray you better not go with problems right after being a bad person because you got to be good to go pray you know you know how I'm talking about that's how you feel and so I was down there and it dawned on me who am I fooling God sees everything in my heart he knows every word I said under my breath he knows it all I need to get this stuff off my chest. And I thought of the verse. Pour out, and I replace it. Dump on God. See? We need somebody to go dump on. People can't handle the dumpings of your life. So, 
I proceeded apace, and boy, I was letting it out to God, I'll tell you. I was walking this path, wearing this path in the snow, down in the valley, and I was yelling and crying out to God, and God, I just can't take this anymore. I'm so tired of this, and I'm so struggling with this, and I'm, and I'm sick of being married, Lord. I kind of told him what was really on my mind. I thought, it is time to be honest with God. So before I knew it, an hour had gone by. And, uh, but in that hour, after I let these things out, God began to speak to me through other things I'd read in His Word. I began to experience a peace in my heart. And before I knew it, I found myself, oh, Lord, just really help me love my wife. And Lord, I didn't have to get upset. You know, it doesn't matter what comes in my life. I didn't need Pretty soon I was praying about me. Pretty soon I was thanking the Lord for my family and for my wife and for the difficulties in my life and I felt about one million percent better. And I trudged back up the hill with a little quicken in my step and went inside and took my boots off and hugged my wife and said, Kathy, would you forgive me? I was wrong. And the day went on just great. That incident changed my life forever. That incident taught me what it means to really go and dump on God. To go pray. There is no way in my life I could deal with the stresses that come to play. Not only as a parent, as a husband, as a father, as a provider, which are the same things everyone in this room goes through. I'm no different than you. But the addition of 250-odd people and their needs and their difficulties and their struggles... You see, the difference between a counselor and me is that a counselor you come to, you talk to for your hour, you pay them, and you go, and they never follow up the call. They never find out how you're doing. They don't get involved. I don't. To me, this is parenting. I'm involved. It gets to my emotions. I weep with you. I weep when I pray. I watch the strains, the struggles that people I love go through, and I want to tell you, I feel it intensely and acutely. And if I did not have a place to go take those things, I would not survive. I wouldn't make it. I would like to give you five points of advice on how to pray. This is, remember the disciples they asked Jesus, how do we pray? I want to teach you today, practically, how to pray. All right? You can write them down if you want. Just for those of you that are here for the first time, maybe you don't realize this, everything we do here is taped. And you can get the tapes at the tape library if you don't think you can write fast enough. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says this, Be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and petition. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Now this is a really neat passage of Scripture. The answer to anxiety is prayer. Alright? The answer to anxiety is prayer. And anxiety will kill you. Anxiety will shorten your life. Stress is causing all kinds of physical pain in our lives today. It causes headaches, backaches, stomach aches, ulcers. We see a rise in health care. You want to know one of the reasons? It's not just AIDS. It's not just other diseases. It's stress. And people are going to the doctor, the doctor, I really don't know what's wrong. Uh, maybe it's stress. People are dying of heart attacks from stress. And everyone's clamoring for an answer. You've got it today. If you do these steps, the first step to effective prayer is get away to a lonely place. Get away to a lonely place. 
Jesus regularly got away to a lonely place, way up in the mountains. I used the garage. I cleaned it out the other day, just so I got a walking path. So I used the garage, or the basement, or Fort Snelling. Wherever I can't be heard, except by God. Wherever I can be absolutely uninhibited, I wouldn't even be the way in, I am in prayer in front of many of you. No, it's private. It's between me and God. You're going to have a very difficult time if you try the kind of prayer I'm talking about over your kitchen table with a cup of coffee in the morning with people around. You must take time in your life to slow down, stop, get away with God. Get away with God. Secondly, tell it like it is. Pray like it really is. Don't, you know... I regularly... I think the clergy has done a real disservice to people. And I want to explain to you why. Our gracious and almighty God, how we praise Thee and thank Thee for Thy holy providence in guiding Thine beloved children. And you're going, geez, is that how I'm supposed to pray? And that prayer has about as much relevance as a rock does for nutrition as far as I'm concerned, and you heard it from me and I mean it. That prayer doesn't do nothing for me. That, that kind of prayer is not what I'm talking about. I'm, talking about. I'm not talking about a prayer, you know, you, you, you wrote it down, you've memorized it, now you're going to say it. I'm talking about the utterings of your soul. I'm talking about the language of the soul. That can take any form. If you want to use these and thous, you go right ahead. If you don't, that is perfectly okay. God's hears in any language, including slang American. It doesn't matter to God. Okay? And I, I say this because I know people that are very intimidated to pray. They think, like the, the Bible, I don't, I don't know where to start. Oh, I can't pray. I don't know what to say. You know? I don't know. There's all kinds of people. Some people say, oh God, and that's how they start their prayer. Some people say, Jesus. Some people say, dear Father. I remember when I met my wife and we first prayed together when, when we met her. She always go. Dear Father, and I almost want to laugh. It was so cute. And I mean, it was so childlike. You know, dear Father. And she write these prayers. I, girls do that a lot. They write down these prayers, you know. And, uh, and I really admire that. I kind of really admire that. It's not how I did it, but that didn't matter. It doesn't have to be fancy. What I'm talking about is it needs to be real. It needs to be honest. Get it off your chest. Tell it like it really is. And get alone with God. Make sure that you're expressing to him your feelings, your frustrations, and your desires. Hey, listen, I got no problem. God, I can't stand that person. I hate the guts. Well, I'm not going to tell them that. And I'm not going to tell you that about them. I tell my father that. I have no problem with that. I regularly go to God. God, I tell you, this is tough. This person kind of turns my stomach. And I need to love them. And God, I need help now. I need help today. I want to ask you to help me. I just get in and off. And you know what? God has never failed to help me. Never failed. And I never fail to be honest with Him. Third, always talk to the Lord as if He's your friend. You know, one of the things I find with people is oftentimes we're more intimate with the human than we are with God. And you know why? Because we think, well, this human being, they can relate to my feelings, but God can't. That's where you're wrong. God understands every feeling you have, every fear, every frustration, every emotion. He understands it all. He went through it. 
He sympathizes and he understands. You want to know something else? He understands more about your human nature than your human friend. And you want to know something else? He can do a lot more about it. And he can give you a lot more comfort. Thirdly, remember to thank God that he cares about you. Take time to thank him for what's going on in your life, for the problem itself. That's what the verse says. See, pray, tell it like it is, and then thank Him. Lord, thank You. Boy, somehow You're going to work this out for good in my life. And then begin to thank Him for all the wonderful things that are in your life. You've got health to a certain degree. We all have health struggles, some more than others. You can see, you can touch, you can eat. You've got a roof over your head, you've got a shirt on your back. We have so much to be thankful for. Take time to do that. Fourthly, Remember to praise God for the good that God is. Reflect on His loving kindness. I regularly do this. I regularly spend time just telling God how wonderful He is and how thankful I am He died for me. And how thankful I am for His faithfulness in my life and for His loving kindness that He never gets put out with me. Well, I'll tell you, that really soothes my soul. See? And encourages you and builds you up. Fifthly, do it often. I do it every day. Every day, somewhere, I'm out praying. Sometimes longer than others. Sometimes for an hour. Sometimes for 30 minutes. Sometimes for 10. Sometimes for two. And I'm just dumping out there on God and giving it to Him. Sometimes I cry. Sometimes I shout. It all depends on what the situation and what's going on. There's a lot of things you see that for me are frustrating. Our world is frustrating to me. Injustice is frustrating to me. I have a lot of personal soapboxes you know, that I could get on. So I go talk to God about them. And I go talk to God and, and express those deep things to Him. There's things that are, I watch people go through that they, 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 rip, me in, they rip me in two. It's like if it happened to me. It's very, very painful. And I have to go to God and talk to Him about that, express that to Him. I'd just like to give you just a couple prayer tips as we close off this morning. The first one is, don't ever feel intimidated. God wants to hear from you. Go to Him confidently. I can't overemphasize this. I have talked to so many people that what their mentality is, as soon as I get myself together, clean up my mouth and clean up my act, I'll go to God. Wrong. Wrong. Go to God now. I don't care if your mouth's a little dirty. I don't care if your heart's a little messed up. See? Jesus is a friend of sinners. He cares about you and I. And He commands us in Hebrews to go boldly before the throne of God, full of confidence that you might receive grace to help and mercy in time of need. Go do it. I'll tell you, this took me a long time to learn. It really did. It took me about the first five years of my Christian life before I really was doing, you know? Trying to get my heart right before I go talk to God. I need to go to God and let Him make it right. Who do I think I am? I'm so cool I can make it right. I need Him. Psalm 142, David says in verse 1, Daily I will order my complaint to God. I will tell Him all my troubles. David didn't go to God with all this wonderful, clean, beautiful speech. He went to God with all these problems and troubles and laid them on God. God is the greatest therapist you can have and you need Him. You need to go to Him and tell Him exactly what's going on. So please, number one, don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid. Don't put it off. Number two, it doesn't matter if your eyes are open or closed. Have you ever wondered that? You know, the devil, he's a real lousy guy. 
And, I, and I've been, you know, I've wondered, well, should I kneel? No. Should I walk? No. Should I sit? But I'm tired. Should my eyes be closed or open? I don't know. I can't decide these things. I just won't pray. He's a, he does those kind of things. And I've seen people get all caught up about that. It doesn't matter if your eyes are open or shut. It doesn't matter if you kneel, sit, walk, stand, or lay down. The point is, pray. That, that's all there is to it. Pray. Get alone. I'll tell you, I pray. I pace. I pace all the time. I am full of energy. I cannot sit still. Never been able to sit still. The teachers used to yell at me at school for not sitting still. I'd regularly whistle at my desk, tap my fingers at my desk. I, maybe I'm hyper. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I've never been diagnosed officially. You know? All I know is I'm glad I'm energized. You know? It's better to have the, an energized battery than that little one that goes... Dun, 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 dun. That's all I know. So anyway... I walk, and obviously I keep my eyes open because I don't want to fall. I don't want to hit something, hit a wall. So, but usually there's some paths I get used to, and then I can close my eyes and walk at the same time, you see? And then turn around, and I walk back, and I'm praying because I really get into it. And I talk with my hands, and I pray with my, you know, body language. Why? Because he's a person. He's right there with me. I talk to him like I'm talking to you. You know what it's like? I mean, it's one thing to have you for an audience. It's another thing to have God for an audience. And I'm talking to him, and I'm communicating and boy, I'll tell you, I leave those times so invigorated, so revived, and so refreshed. And then I want to end with this little promise. Remember this. Where there is anxiety, there is no peace. Peace comes through prayer. The answer to stress is peace. The way to get peace is prayer. You know what the Bible promises? And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ. Now, that has a, really a threefold meaning. First of all, I don't believe I'll ever have a heart attack. Not from stress. Maybe from Diet Coke. No. <laughs> but not from stress. You know why? Because I have a protection in my heart and over my heart. Because I don't hang out with stress. It's not my friend. I don't hang out with anxiety. I regularly give it to God. I change my whole schedule. I'll change everything I'm doing to go get with God and lay it out to God because I cannot bear it. I know. Cast your burdens on the Lord and He will sustain you. He'll keep you going. So I regularly go and tell it to Him just like it is. Secondly, it'll guard your emotions. That's what your mind means. It guards your mind from all these thoughts that go racing through a million miles a minute and you can't even think straight. And from all the emotional turmoil, which is so destructive, you know, on your cardiovascular system, and it just applies so much pressure. See? That's the promise. The promise is the peace that God gives is better than if you understood everything that was going on in your life. So often that's what we wish would happen. We could just get a, a bird's eye view of, and know all the answers. You don't need to know all the answers. You've got the answer today. You pray and I guarantee you your spiritual health will improve. If you want to write it down, you write down your prayers. Whatever works for you, I'm saying do it. But it needs to be a place where you're uninhibited, where you've got solitude, where you can be alone and write. I know some guys, some tremendous men of God and they just write. That's how they express their prayers and they write. I'm a talker. I got the gift of gab. So that's what I do with God. Writing is very hard for me. 
So I go to God and I just express myself. And I'll tell you, it is the most invigorating time. We often think of prayer as such a bore. I know that if, if, if you would normally think of stress, you'd never think of prayer being the answer. Not the first thing that comes to our mind. But I want to tell you, it will work. Try it this week. Try it. Get away. Go try it. And you're going to be uncomfortable at first. Just like some of you would be uncomfortable to get up here and do what I'm doing today. You'd feel really like naked. You know, really like, I can't, that's weird, Mark. You're kind of weird anyway. And I can't act that way. So you learn to become uninhibited with God. You know, and I've learned through practice and through time. Please do it. Next week, we're going to talk about a subject that is being written about a lot today. It's something that every one of us has gone through or is going through. It's the subject of loneliness. It's entitled Overcoming Loneliness. It'll be the third in our series on improving your spiritual health.